Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I was just absolutely blown away by it. You know, as someone who has always been a fan of superheroes and, you know, strong female characters, you really can't get <laughs> any better uh, than Julienne and um, Jay Long in this. Like, Jen, like, they're just phenomenal. So, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's why I just loved it. It's a beautiful, epic, romantic, balletic, like, just choreographed beautifully. I think it's really, really a remarkable piece of filmmaking and it sort of speaks to the best of Ang Lee, who's a filmmaker I absolutely adore. This is one of the greatest films ever made. Hello, film fans. Joining us remotely today, we have Hannah. Hello. Layla. Hi. And as always, Kobe. Hello. And we're here to review Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Thank you, as always, to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello and welcome to FlixWatcher. Joining us today, we have Hannah and Layla. If you could please say hello to our listeners and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do, please. Hi, I'm uh, Layla Latif. I am a writer, film critic, broadcaster. I uh, work with Little White Lies, Curzon, Sight and Sound, Total Film, uh, the AV Club, and I'm often on Radio 4 on the World Service. Um, yeah, and uh, pal of Hannah's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pal of Hannah's, that's a great place to be Pal, that's, I love that uh, Yes, this is me, Hannah <laughs> The pal, the pal, the pal she's speaking about <laughs> So what, what do you do, pal of, pal of Layla? Uh, I love this, it feels a bit like, like, a, like a Superman thing Pal of Layla <laughs> would, um, would watch that Yes, it'd be great. Okay, let's work it out after this. Um, Okay, so uh, I am Hannah Flint. I'm a film critic, writer, host, podcast host. I do the First Film Club podcast. Uh, I do the Fade to Black podcast, which is weekly reviews on Sundays. Uh, I'm a host on MTV Movies. And yeah, I kind of do do reviews, features and interviews for BBC Culture, um, Empire Magazine, uh, Guardian, uh, a columnist for Soho House and Big Issue. Awesome. Um, tell us a bit about the, the Fades Black podcast. It is myself, Amon Woman, and Clarice Lockery. Um, they're both, if you don't know the critics, then wise up, you should. Um, and we have a nice kind of chat, chinwag, uh, about the weekly releases. And we finish it off with a hot take section 
which are always quite spicy. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, it's really fun. And it's kind of, we don't really take ourselves too seriously. Uh, actually, sometimes we really do. We get very passionate. Amon got very passionate about Uncharted in that episode. So look out for that. And every now and again, we, we have an interview. So we had uh, Jonas Poe Rasmussen, who directed Flea. He had Denzel Washington on recently. Michael B. Jordan. So yeah, come um, on down, join us. I do like I do like hot takes. I think that's one of my favourite parts of your show, um, where you wail in on on a, on a subject matter which is often topical, but sometimes just something that's um, you know is evergreen. Like um, yeah, spoilers. The spoilers one, for example. I remember that when Amon was like, "Don't spoil anything ever," and you were like, "Ah, yeah, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I, I I actually no I, yeah I mean you can go and listen to that I can't remember what episode that is it's, but it was like early on, what's think. the statute of limitations on on spoilers and and I suppose also where you know if you're online okay what we like if you're if you're watching like Boba Fett you know it goes out at the same time across the world mm-hmm. sometimes it's 8am here it's midnight in the US whatever so it's all different times so the idea is like if you don't want to get spoilers from that thing just don't be on Twitter no one's forcing you to be on Twitter no one's like unless you're a social media manager <laughs> <laughs> and you're getting paid to be on there I just kind of feel like yeah so there was a I have some very Amon didn't necessarily <laughs> agree with me <laughs> I, have a, I have a very slim slim torrents for spoilers uh, so I'm on, I was on one side oh, I, I assume you have me on mute <laughs> <laughs> no just like things for when when but Spider-Man I, I came out I think the rule is if it's in the trailer it's fair game no that, absolutely absolutely but but like you have people who take it so far like someone once like had a go at me because there was a picture of uh, Ahsoka T- uh, Tano you know Rosario Dawson mm. as her and like anyone who's seen Clone Wars knows what she looks like so, you know, you're pretty sure it's going to be exactly, exactly the same. And someone's like, someone literally went really with her. It's like, you've just ruined it to me. It's like, I've ruined, I've ruined the Mandalorian for you. That has ruined your entire experience because you now have confirmation that Ahsoka Tano looks exactly the same as she does in the Clone Wars. You know, we're just like, that's a point moments where I kind of do really lose my patience and just think, get a life. <laughs> I'm on your side in that case. What's she called? Jane, this person. Um, <laughs> now, we're here talking and, and spoiling um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. This came out 20 odd years ago. Was it 20 yeah. years ago? 2000. Holy 22 shit. 22 years ago. 22 years ago. So we can, the Statue of Limitations is well beyond pale <laughs> Yeah, if you've here. not seen it now and it's like, yeah. and you listen to this, fault. then yeah, absolutely. We'll pause this, go watch it and then come back. <laughs> yeah. Um, Hannah, tell us first of all, why did you choose it and the synopsis in 60 seconds or less? So I chose it because I think that when we talk about like breathtaking, slack jawed, just eyes wide with amazement, mm. cinematic experience, that's how I felt going to see this. I mean, I must, so I'm, so it's 2022, so I'm 33. So I must have saw this as like 11, 12 year old oh, wow. going in. I was just absolutely blown away by it. I think, you know, as someone who has always been a fan of superheroes and, you know, strong female characters, you really can't get <laughs> any better uh, than Julien and um, Jai Long in this. Like, Jen, like, they're just phenomenal. So, yeah, that's, that's, I think that's why I just loved it. It's a beautiful, epic, romantic, balletic, like, just choreographed beautifully. Yeah, it's a whole world that I had not really seen before. So, can you tell us the, the synopsis? The synopsis. So, yeah. it's based on the Chinese novel of the same name. 
uh, by Wang Dulu. It's set in early 19th century China during the Qing Dynasty. Um, and it kind of follows renowned swordsman Li Mu Bei, played by Chao Yun Fat. He decides he wants to give up his legendary green destiny sword. He's kind of wants to get enlightenment, but he kind of realizes actually the reason why he can't get it is because he still loves uh, Michelle Yeoh's Julien. So they're kind of like in this unrequited, well, it is requited, but they're kind of held back by you know, culture, propriety and all that. Uh, But then what happens is that the guy that he gives the sword to, well, someone comes and nicks it. This cheeky little (laughs) bugger comes in and nicks it. And that basically sets off a kind of chain of events that throws the lives of these warriors, the kind of aristocrats and some lurking criminals uh, into flux. So, yeah, it's got a lot going on. Awesome. Helen, Layla, thoughts on Crouch, Tiger, Hidden Dragon? I love Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon so much. And I also love that I feel like this is the prototypical Hannah film. (laughs) This is like all of the stuff that she likes. If you were going to ask me to guess, you know, what she would have chosen. But yeah, I, I, I think it's really, really a remarkable piece of filmmaking. And it sort of speaks to the best of Ang Lee, who's a filmmaker I absolutely adore. He's got, you know, it's like all of the best of the unrequited and up. Well, I suppose unrequited isn't the right word. The kind of repressed emotions of mm. like Broadback Mountain or sense of sensibility, <laughs> but then kind of with like, and I suppose it must be going to his, um, to you know, to his childhood, the films that he grew up watching, because this sort of magical realism fight scenes that's not kind of, that was maybe new to Western audiences, but that is not new to the kind of cinema of China, and it's just no. the most kind of beautiful melding of the two. And I, I, I think this is just a really spectacular and really moving film. Helen, yeah, it's it's just so beautiful. Um, I think I've only seen I saw it at the cinema, and I hadn't revisited it. And watching it again, I was like, why have I not watched more, this more times? Because there's just so so much beauty in it, and I hadn't really remembered that much of the romance. I was like, this is completely a romance thing. Like, I think before maybe I was just kind of taken away with the um, the martial arts and them flying through the trees. That I just thought it was all about that. But I really enjoyed revisiting it, and um, yeah, it's just really great. And the first fight, it's like two women having a fight. It's like, yes, this is the women. They're fighting. They're the best. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, it was a real pleasure to come back to this one. Yeah. I, I think I've only seen it a couple of times. I do have the DVD. Um, and I remember this being, I think the way I heard about it first was, oh my God, guys, this, this is a foreign language film that might win the best picture Oscar. And I was like, mm-hmm. why is that a story? Can they not win anyway? And and I, I think it was Gladiator that won this year or something like that. I, I, I can't remember which which one it was. But if it was Gladiator, I'd much prefer it to be this than the Gladiator, even though I do really enjoy Gladiator. Um, big martial arts guy, generally, um, myself, and this kind of blew me away. And then you had a few more kind of imports. You had House of Flying Daggers and Hero coming to the UK, uh, being more prominent. And, you know, I was all for that. And they, then they kind of just stopped, didn't they? Yeah, I think this is fantastic. It's just, I don't it's know just... if they stopped. I, yeah, it's interesting. I think it maybe it was just that, because um, I, I think one of the things I saw recently, which was beautiful, uh, was at the Toronto Film Festival in 2018, Shadow, which I think is on Netflix. Shout right. out as Zhang Jimu. And that is breathtaking epic. I think like the, I think, and then you had like the Grandmaster with Tony, Tony Young. Like, I think they have been there, but I suppose it's that one's, in a way, the I think I suppose it's the same thing as we talked about with um, Easy A. You know, specific genres, sensibilities kind of change, and then you end up having certain films that people want to make and the sure things like, yeah. you know, 
So, I mean, with action films, and we're talking about action films now, it's more the one begets the other, don't they? So the Matrix begets Romeo Must Die, and they, they become really popular. And now we're in the kind of John Wick, more kind of realistic phase of fighting and nobody and stuff like that. I mean, th- these kind of films should certainly still be in circulation because they are amazing. But I can understand why they kind of, you don't see them as much in the UK, at least, um, or maybe in Western, Western, Western realms. I think they're um, really hard to do. I think those mm, long yeah. take, highly choreographed fight scenes are really, really difficult to pull off. And I really noticed it because I know that the fight coordinate, fight choreographer for this was also the fight choreographer for the original Matrix films, mm. but not the most recent one. And I think you really missed it in the mm. most recent oh, one. Like, I noticeably yeah. saw it that like, you know, oh, we've we've actually really regressed with the most recent one, in, you know, away from this sort of amazing balletic choreography that, mm. you know, and that moment in this film where they say that, oh, you know, fencing is like calligraphy and you feel mm. that in yeah. the film, like this is artistry. Yeah. I, I hear that, I, I was reading it somewhere that she spent almost as much time doing that, that calligraphy sequence as she did like learning the learning some of the martial arts moves. Um, it's that kind of integrated yeah. nature to And I think what I love about this film, so, you know, Cheng Pei who plays Jade Fox, mm. she has a storied career yeah. in as like a fighter, Michelle Yeoh. Oh. She's an absolute legend. And what I think... I think why I admire, you know, Zhang Yu says he, she's just, again, amazing kind of, and then she comes out again, like in House of Flying Daggers and several other films go, you're just like, oh my God, this woman's just <laughs> phenomenal. But then obviously she can also do drama because she did Women Must Have the Gay Show as well. But um, I think, you know, the work is there. This is not, like, this isn't stunt people. This is them actually doing the action. I think one of the things that, you know, they said was the how they use, I mean, I suppose there's so much to talk about, like in the sense of just the world, it's a very practical effect. Like it, you, when you look at some of the skit, like the kind of scenes where, whether it's, you know, I don't know, by a waterfall, it's in like a kind of desert, like you feel that these people are actually there. It looks that way. Um, and so a lot of the CGI stuff was just mm-hmm. taking away the wires for the wire food bits. Yeah. But like you see them, you see them doing all the moves and it's just like, that is an action hero that is someone not only but a professional martial artist that's why it's called an artist like and you just no shade to kind of our western western you know stumpy but i think maybe i think sophie Botello is probably one of the best um western but she's like french algerian i mean i've seen her in yeah. hotel artemis she's amazing but you know there's not that expectation on say brie larson in captain marvel you know that expectation even like some of the fighters in that's why shang chi was so amazing because <laughs> Again, that that's how they basically celebrated everything that's come before. Like, you know, whether it's, you know, Jackie Chan using his, you know, using his kind of physicality when it's in the... We're talking about Shang-Chi now. I feel like we're not yeah. talking enough about Crouching Tiger. I, I hate I mean, Shang-Chi, so. full disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not talk about this. Let's not talk about Shang-Chi. We might not be pals anymore. Well, it doesn't have the practical beauty, the place in the world, the natural light, the gorgeousness of this. I felt that that felt very green screened in comparison. It was. Yeah. And then you and then you look at Crouch and Tiger and, and, and it's just like, it's just stunning, visually beautiful. And, you know, as you said, I think you, just, you said, Leila, like, it's interesting. And what you said about like Oscar nominations as well. I mean, if you look back at the history of how many foreign language films have actually been nominated to best film, it's like there's barely any. Yeah. I think like The Grand Illusion was like the first one. 
uh, back in like the 30s. And then since then, I think there's been like, before prior, I'll say this, prior to Crouching Tiger's release in 2000, there was only about seven in the space of however many decades, like a hundred years decades, of, of yeah. 70, 70, <laughs> 70, 70 years. Um, but what was amazing that this film picked up 10 nominations and it won in exactly places that it definitely should have won, like best cinematography. Mm. I mean, talk about some of the fight sequences. The one where um, Jen is, she's kind of escaped and she's at, uh, she's at a restaurant and she's got about 10, like 100 guys. Just the fluidity through which the camera just takes you through like the building. You'll never lose sight. You know exactly, every, you see every single move. Nothing is lost. Like no frame is dropped. Like you, you see everything that you're supposed to see. And then even, you know, when it's kind of like them flying over the rooftops, it's, it's just, I would, one of those situations where I like, do I want to see how the sausage is made? Because it looks so magic, but I could love, in a way, it's like, I'd love to see just how they achieved it because it is like award worthy. It's the, just so brilliant. The scene when I was watching, well, a few weeks ago, I watched um, The Great Muppets Caper and you had all the Muppets. <laughs> Sorry, I love that we've gone from Another classic. classic. To, but, 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 <laughs> bear with me a second, but you had all the Muppets uh, cycling, riding bikes in Battersea Park. And I was just watching thinking, What? How the how the actual fuckery have you done this? Yeah. And then this is the same thing that came up again uh, when I watched Crouching Tiger. When they're in the bamboo, if, if you think logistically, how do you get the cameras up there and have these people dancing around in the bamboo and yeah. and standing on the thing, posing? And it's them. And it's, and it's and Chow Yun Fat being serene in the bamboo whilst mm. dangling from wires. Yeah. And just just a, one thing to point: Michelle Yeoh was in her knee. She, her knee was in really bad shape. So there are particularly the fight with her in the house with um with uh, with Jen. It is someone else doing the wide shots because she just couldn't do a lot of the things, but but still she's doing the close up, which is still like way better than most people could do, and it's still that's one of my best, that's one of my favourite fight scenes, just generally. I think and her chasing though, women. I think that's the best one where she, the original thing where she's the chasing them. I mean, just mad, like she's like, I'm just gonna run up this wall, I'm gonna grab this rock and chuck it, and it's just the the, <laughs> the editing of that, so you mm. see it. Like that's yeah. Again, editing on this was done like just like so precise, <laughs> and just like yeah, you get every snap. Like you think it's in the dagger, you like go, and you're like oh my god, did it hit? It's more like dancing than fighting because it's yeah. so beautiful to watch. And there are come some slightly more violent bits in which I'd completely forgotten. But for most part, it's it's just beautiful. And the the kind of when they're fighting in the trees is just. It's so mad because, like, how do you fight in trees like that when they're all kind of like bending and, and moving? It's. Mm. I will say, I think House of Fine Daggers has the superior fighting trees <laughs> with the bamboo. That's an amazing fight sequence. But yeah, I felt that they moved a bit like how I fly when I'm in dreams, if that makes sense. It was kind of not, the, <laughs> yeah. it's kind of the weird like floatiness when you're kind of flying in a very strange way in <laughs> in a dream. I always feel that if um, kind of Mulholland Drive captures nightmares, for me, this film catches dreams. That's such a really wonderful like way of both putting ends it. of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Did you also notice like the absence of sound, like the silence as they moved? Mm. And I think that mm. also adds to the dreamlike quality to it because you know, if this, again, if it was John Wick, you'd be hearing every hit or like every step on the rooftops, it'd be like, ch -ch 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 -ch, so loud. Whereas this, that's what you're kind of like, 
I'm what I'm witnessing. My 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 eyes can't quite comprehend <laughs> what I'm seeing because the logic in me was like they would not they would make a sound, but because they're warriors and they're trained in the way of Wudan, like I mean uh, Michelle Yeoh's not trained in Wudan, bloody fucking patriarchy. But like you know, it's like that. <laughs> Which isn't the, the, I mean, the patriarchy. <laughs> no, it is. And I think that's what's also so, like, sorry to, like, to segue into something else, but, like, like the gender politics and the feminism within this film. And, mm. like, how, like, you know, Chow Yun-Fat, sure, he's the main guy, but, like, it's all women, like, that we care about, even whether it's Jay Fox being the bad, you know, the bad woman. But you can kind of even sympathise with her. It's like, yeah, girl, I get it. Like, man did not cheat you. And then, you know, this kind of... I, I, you know, you were saying earlier about like uh, later about how like there's a, I suppose like a kind of a through line through Ang Lee's movies that, you know, the idea of kind of being uh, repressed, and I think in a way for me I see Crouching Tiger uh, and and Sense and Sensibility, his other you know kind of polite society class kind of film, then being two sides of the same coin because you know I forgot about like how much like the kind of sisterly. Mm relationship there is on there and like whereas you know Jen is like Marianne kind of this like I just want to be free and I want to do this an impulsive person and Michelle Yeoh is like she's she's more like Eleanor you know she's got she loves I can't remember the character I can't remember the character's name but you're like she loves like is it Edward it, is it Edward Hugh. In it's a Hugh it'd be Hugh yeah the Hugh Grant <laughs> yeah. you know they love each other but they can't do it in the same way like you know Lima Bay and Shulen they they love each other but they can't and and I think it's so interesting how actually something can be set in like England, like Jane Austen, mm. uh, can have as much in common. I think that just shows what Ang Lee is looking for as a filmmaker as well to kind of talk about these these things that are also universal. I think Ang Lee has the reason why this film did so well is because it managed to entrance Western audiences bring them in. I mean, there's a lot of elements to this that probably isn't traditional to Wixie cinema, but actually the kind of, I don't know, the grand scale of it um, kind of drew people in. And the idea that he's like really showing that the accessibility, like every culture is accessible. I, I think that's his kind of hallmark as a filmmaker. Like he, even, and even within this cast, they're all kind of, I mean, they're all of Chinese heritage, but actually they're, they're all, all multicultural, yeah. from different from Malaysia, from China, Hong Kong, Taiwan. you know, Taiwan. Like, yeah, it's, it's just, he's, he's, he's wonderful. I was, I, I was listening, I was reading up about this and apparently it's like the difference between someone from Newcastle being, speaking to someone from Belfast, speaking to someone <laughs> from like London, but to us, to our un, untrained ears, like it's yeah. the same, but to, to like someone from Southeast Asia, this is like, guys, what's yeah. going on here <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean you would know about this leila because i think you because you're an arabic speaker and like i'm trying to learn tunisian arabic which is yeah. slightly different just dialectical is different and you know what would you say would you say that you're is egyptian arabic you kind of learn you know uh, egyptian arabic is the one that's kind of easiest for people to kind of understand i speak with a sudanese arabic accent which is quite similar yeah. to iraqi accent and i think that would be kind of the geordie shore in terms of like classiness, <laughs> in terms of the Arabic accent. Oh no, Sudanese. Uh. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> you are pronouncing yeah. those K's very hard. <laughs> <laughs> I think I read that actually Michelle Yeoh had to learn her lines phonetically because, um, yeah. which is insane how kind of, 
elegant her performance is. Given, can you imagine kind of having to like recite a line phonetically and not actually, you know, kind of live it and breathe it with the way that she she kind of so seamlessly does? And yeah, but I, I suppose mean, she knows what it means, though, doesn't she? She knows she might not know what the word stands for, but she knows the sentiment. She knows what she's supposed to be saying. So I, I get what you mean, but I think she probably was able to deliver it. Anyway. I refuse I mean, to not be impressed. <laughs> you said it with the intro, Hannah, that Chang Fat is falling in love with Michelle Yeoh. And, and how could you not? Because Michelle Yeoh is, yeah. she's the GOAT, really, isn't she? She's absolutely, also, absolutely amazing. Every single, every single thing she does, she's like But it's also not best. Aaron Sorkin doing the script. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, what I've noticed a lot about, like, um, yeah, especially sparse. kind of East Asian yeah. cinema is, is it's like, it's, it's quality, not quantity when it comes to dialogue. Mm. Um, definitely. And it's kind of like the least needs to be said. Um, and I love that. Because it's again, it's a vis- this is like a vis- the visual, the visual language is telling the story as much as any dialogue could. Well, that's what that that, callig- that calligraphy scene, for example, was when Jen gave herself away, wasn't it? It's was like, oh, I know who you are now. I can see you, you write the same way you um, yeah. you you wield a sword. Guys, is there anything else we want to say before we head to the scores? Um, just I think that maybe Hannah's onto something with this kind of East Asian cinema being so good at longing because of that restraint with the script like, there is kind of something like really beautiful in like all of these moments between various characters where so much is being left unsaid but you still feel it mm. Mm. i love the, the one of my favorite dialogue scenes was the um when jen's in the in that in that bar and all those guys are coming up to her saying i am i'm jeff longsword from volleyball and she's like oh, for fuck's sake just <laughs> What do you want? And then it will pile into it. And that, that kind of setup before the fighting started was, about, was actually a really strong piece of comedic writing. And then the whole fight yeah. scene afterwards was hilarious when she just dispatches with them like effortlessly, as we talked about that scene before. I think what I like about the film as well is the fact that it's got this sense of humour. Mm. Um, mm. There are some kind of like, you've got the kind of like, I don't know, the Joker, I don't know, Jester sort of character, the, the kind of security guard is like, <laughs> I mean, the bit where they, where the kind of the, the, the police officer who's come with his daughter to try and get the Jade Fox and they're all running and he, he doesn't realise he's been tied to the back. It's just hilarious. I think it's great. <laughs> and then also, I think, you know, I, 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 I love the scenes with Lo and Jem where they're fighting and they're like so tired that she's hit him and she can't physically keep going because I've been rolling on the desert and sand. I think that's what it's got. You know, I think what makes it's, it's, it's a serious film, but it gives you that relief, mm. you know, that light relief. And I think that's what makes these kind of like, especially tra- I mean, this is a tragic, feels like an epic poem, isn't it? I think it's very, <laughs> it's very, you know, Chinese, <laughs> you can feel it in, in its bone or East Asian Taiwanese, like you can feel it feels like these stories are timeless and both ancient, but also real, really contemporary as well. Um, and I think why it's so good is it, it, the balance of all those different ideas and imagery. You know, you've got the Chambara kind of like Western sort of thing going on when they're getting attacked. Like that felt like, oh, oh, this feels a bit like John Wayne. And I wonder if that is also a way that kind of Western audiences really could like recognise that. That could have been like, I don't know, um, Arizona, (laughs) like just the look of it. Uh, But yeah, there's just, he just knows he's got all these different things going on, the combination, like the composition of it, just, just outstanding. Well, let's head to the scores, guys. (laughs) 
I'm Sam Clements, host of the 90 Minutes or Less Film Festival, another podcast in the Stripped Media family, a podcast that celebrates movies under 90 minutes long. Each episode, I'm joined by a special guest who selects a movie to join our prestigious lineup. Past guests have included fellow Stripped Media family members Martin and Sam from Song by Song, and Kobe from Flixwatcher, and Dave from The Wire Stripped. Search for us now on the app you're currently listening to this podcast, or join us at 90minfilmfest.com. Welcome to the Flixwatcher scores. All of our scores are out of five. You may have decimal places if you wish, and uh, we'll start with you, please, Hannah, with your recommendability. Five. <laughs> like 100% five. This is one of the greatest films ever made. Layla. I'm going to go with a five as well. Um, I mean, I don't meant to be like that curmudgeon, but like I really feel watching a lot of contemporary action films and watching this, you see that something has been lost, uh, like a level of skill, a level of kind of like grounding things in the practical world around you. And like, I just feel like this is like a really extraordinary piece of work and something that I want us desperately to return to. Helen. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's probably maybe an over-reliance of CGI and we'll kind of like add that in later. Or I don't know, this just kind of feels that every detail was kind of like thought about and nothing was, you know, we have to get it like this. And I imagine it was quite a sort of strenuous thing to put together. And <laughs> it was, it doesn't look like it's an easy film to do. If you, if you read what Ang Lee said about it, he was like, he was like, for eight months, I was like depressed. I <laughs> hated it. Like he had a terrible, like it was the worst time of his life. And it's like, it makes me so sad. <laughs> like He went through all this trauma to give us this beautiful thing. But it's just definitely something was kind of like captured at that particular point. And it feels like it's almost sort of been encased within its own thing. And it's just a really, really beautiful piece of filmmaking. And there's probably like people say, oh, well, you know, it's, it's subtitled, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, it's subtitled. Just think you need to get over that, that, <laughs> you know, if you haven't seen this, then like a hundred percent, you have to watch it. And if you like me saw it like years and years ago and haven't rewatched it, then rewatch it again, because it's still as beautiful. And it's probably even more impressive now when we've kind of seen where cinema's gone, but it's not kind of surpassed this in terms of sort of its beauty and the fighting. So I'm a five as well. Yeah. Touch low because I know people who just like, Oh go on, see it. subtitles. Um, but still 4.8. Amazing. And what's the point too? Is that just because of the subtitles? Because people, could people be like, I, can't. <laughs> and I know there's people and I wouldn't, I can't be asked to have that, that discussion with those people. Um, well, for those point two of people, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> but I think this is one of the things that I love most about what is brought to cinema generally, because there's, there's a phase of the Jason Bourne type of fighting, which is actually nauseating because you don't know who's hitting who from which angle and what's happening. But then you had the, but then it kind of I, took a step back to, to one reason I really like John Wick is because you see the wide shots, you see everything that's happening. And, but I think, I will say this. I know we say the Jason Bourne thing, but I think there's a very different way of that. Like, I think it was on the second film, was it Paul Greengrass? But the first one wasn't. But like, no, yeah. it's how they basically copied it and not executed it in the same way. 
because mm-hmm. I get what you're saying. Like Liam Neeson, every single one of his bloody movies, like it's like 11 cuts just to climb over a bloody fence because it's like, do you know what I mean? Like you're not getting that. Mm. And I think sometimes you that claustrophobic element is actually a really brilliant way of showing a fight scene within an apartment building because you get that. Do you know what I mean? Like the Daredevil where like they're doing the corridor scene and how... It just was a lot of camera. Con- Pardon? When in Daredevil... Daredevil, you know, the corridor scene where he's kind of fighting through. I mean, even Hotel Artemis as well mm. has a corridor scene where it's like trying to navigate through that. And it's, I think those claustrophobic, I think there's a space for that. Even like the raid. No, the but, raid that's what, good. but that's what I mean. That, that locked off but scene. But the editing is not, they're not cut. Yeah, exactly. What, that's what, what I mean. You, so in that, in that scene in Daredevil, it was just a locked off shot down the corridor and it was continuous shot and you could see everything was going on. People bouncing in and out and there wasn't any cuts in, at least obvious cuts. And that, that to me is like, the pinnacle of doing it. you show that people have worked in the choreography you can see that that you know at some points charlie cox you know at least faking it he was like really breathing because he's like he's worked his ass off for a minute in this scene yeah but the it's the quick cutting bit that i i find disturbing with the paul greengrass um born stuff and that's that's what you don't see with john wick i haven't seen the daredevil one but is it a bit like the one in old boy with the hammer it's it's looking down the corridor rather than like a okay. cross section of it, but yeah. but it's still really yeah. cool though. It's still it's still I a really, really cool. I just think I remember show. maybe that differently. I remember that the style was then copied and repurposed by other filmmakers trying to replicate it, mm. and because their action stars could don't have the skill to do it, and they don't have it, that created the editing, and then suddenly that so. became the new style, and it gets basically born has been labelled with it, even though. Actually, that was the one that's done really well, whereas they've done a like jugstore version of it. Yeah. And but maybe they, I need to they, go re- Maybe I just need to go rewatch Bond. Is it on Netflix? I mean, it's still decent. <laughs> it's going to be on like ITV, like any night. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've probably sorry, got it. Repeat viewing score. Let's go back to the scores. Uh, Hannah, repeat viewing score. Um, you know, I think in a way, like once you have it, I don't think you'd want to watch it immediately after. I think you need to let those things set, like set in. But yes, you can actually, if you repeat, I'd probably say 4.5 repeat viewing. Layla? Uh, I'm going to go with like, yeah, maybe about a four in terms of repeat viewing. What I found myself doing over the years is actually just kind of YouTubing clips as they come into like my mind. I'll just want to watch the bamboo bit or the bit in the mm. restaurant or stuff like that. Because um, just even those moments can kind of like reignite in me like a real like love of cinema rather than sitting down and watching the entire thing. I do think it is wonderful. I'm really glad I had a reason to sit down and focus with it. But yeah, four. Helen. I can't believe it's taken me this long to to revisit it. I don't really know why. Um, maybe availability, but I had it on DVD for years. So weird. Um, I think I probably will watch it again. I'm not sure how soon. Maybe another gap of 20 odd years. I don't really know. Uh, a 3.5. We'll see you here in 20 years. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Anniversary watch. Um, yeah, I'm same as Helen. I haven't, I, this is second or third time watching it in 20 years, which is, no, definitely at least... Definitely three times, but maybe I don't think more than that. Um, should watch it more, but now I'm like mad keen to watch Hero and House of Flying Daggers again. Unfortunately, I don't have a DVD player at the moment. Otherwise, I just reach across to yourself, Hannah, and take it from behind your <laughs> on your shelf. Um, so uh, I'm going to go for three, I think. Uh, small screen score. Oh, interesting. Um, Hannah, small screen score for Crouching Tiger. I mean, 
do I get the same sense of awe that I did when I saw it? Like, do you need to see this in a cinema? 100%. Like, that is the <laughs> ideal version of seeing this film. Did watch it again last night, film me with as much joy and just like amazement. Yes. I actually think this is what, and I think it goes back to what you're saying, like Layla, about like, there is so, like every aspect of the filmmaking whether it's production design, choreography, acting, cinematography, direction, or every bit of it is to such a high level. It's like just, yeah, it's like firing on all cylinders that you can watch this and it still looks amazing. Like there hasn't been, it hasn't degraded in over the years in 20 years time. And even on a small, like a screen, I mean, I've got a pretty decent TV, um, but it looked, it just looked phenomenal. And I was just kind of still like, again, like some of the shots where you have the backdrop, where it's just like open space or even just the framing of certain scenes where I've sat having tea. It's just, it's just beautiful to look at. Um, so yeah, I, I'm going to go maybe like 4.8. Layla. Um, I'm going to go with a 4.5 because I think actually watching it um, on a TV, like it almost became a slightly different film for me. So where I was kind of coming for the gorgeous action sequences, I kind of found myself more engrossed in the like gender politics and like the kind of tragic romance of it all because I wasn't, you know, too concerned with like the spectacle of it all. And then like another layer and a load of really interesting things to me and stuff that I really love generally about Ang Lee's filmmaking. Making, uh, came out and I was reminded of um, this film Eat, Drink, Man, Woman, which is, you know, one of my favorite romantic comedies. And uh, yeah, it, it, I think it was, you know, it, where you maybe lose an action, you'll find yourself just being completely transported into, you know, the incredible performance of Chow Young Fat. How is he still sexy though, with like half his head shaved and his <laughs> long pony hectare? <laughs> what was your score there, Layla? Sorry. Oh, four point five. Uh, Helen. So apparently on that, with his, his hairstyle, apparently he had to be shown like a computer rendering of what he'd look like with that hairstyle before they'd let him shave it off. It was like, I need to see this so you can have a look. <laughs> I need to still, if I still look hot. It's like, <laughs> yes, I approve. <laughs> um, I think I agree with you, Layla, about it being a different, it's almost like a different film watching it in the small screen than it is the big screen because... I remember seeing it at the cinema and it just sort of like blowing my eyeballs away. Um, and this would have been like after the Matrix as well. So this time around watching it on a small screen, I felt that I was more involved in the story. So I think if you've not seen it before, then do try and see it on in the cinema or I don't know, a, the massive screen that you can find because watching it on a small screen, you, you might be like this is kind of all right whereas you want it to be like wow this is amazing so i'm gonna give it a four yeah i've not i don't think i've seen this in the cinema which is silly that's an oversight um and i do so i'm gonna give it a slightly lower score because i really want to see it in the cinema um and i think that fight between jen and um <clears throat> michelle Yeoh's character i can't remember her name right now uh julianne. julianne in the um when julianne's running out of all the weapons i remember that track and i'm sure i've listened to, I've, i think i've watched this in isolation so maybe lady can confirms for me when you've watched the, the scenes in isolation but the score at that point is like immense and mm. I think I'd love to see that in the cinema and have all the sound envelop that scene as well that section as well uh small screen score 3.5 engagement score Hannah uh god I feel like I was utterly wrapped <laughs> <laughs> well we're talking about you this uh, is your this is your yeah yeah uh yeah I felt really engaged I I mean I I didn't 
feel distracted at all. You know, as someone who always goes to my phone, like I was like in it, mm. in it to win it. <laughs> so I'm going to go, but then I can also understand again, like I think it's supposed to going back to what you said, uh, Kobe about like, uh, subtitles, but then I think that's why you need to be engaged because mm. you're going to miss things. There's not a lot of dialogue. And if you miss one, <laughs> you might miss some really juicy idioms <laughs> thrown in there. So, uh, I don't know. Okay. Uh, 4.7. Sure. I'm just like giving you a random number here. I'm like, I don't know who I am. It's what you feel. It's what you feel. <laughs> uh, Layla. Uh, yeah, I'm reminded of um, the Bong Joon-ho quote, which I am uh, probably misremembering. It's such a, such overcome, a beautiful line, isn't it? Yeah, once you overcome the one-inch tall barrier of subtitles, there's a whole like new world ahead of you. So, um, I, I mean, I don't mind subtitles at all. I actually think they kind of sometimes keep me more engaged mm-hmm. because I can't like, half watch um so yeah for me the 4.5 like I, I find it really engrossing and it's very poetic and lyrical and you can kind of you know just just kind of almost look at it as like an art piece and it's quite transfixing so yeah 4.5 helen i like that art piece it is a bit like that because there isn't that much dialogue and a lot of what happens is unspoken that like you can kind of like drift around in it and you can kind of like get what you want with it without having to be like be continuously reading all the time. Um, and it's not one of those that it's not like any twists or anything. So if you kind of miss something, you don't need to go, Oh, I need to go back. So, um, yeah, I'm going to go 4.5 as well. I'm going to go for five. Um, <gasps> yeah. Kobe. Absolutely. Wow. Get, get stuck was in not expected. There you go. There's a plot twist. <laughs> Screwing over that 0.2% of people. They're furious now. <laughs> But I think yeah, exactly. But I think it's that it's that piece. The with any subtitle film or TV, there is that extra level of engagement you need to have. And I think sometimes that's that does stop you because if you're feeling a bit tired or um, just need something to chill out to a bit, it doesn't really help. And one of my favourite TV shows at the moment is um, Call My Agent, a French oh, yeah. French film, a French TV show. And I really I just can't barrel through it because I'm just like I'm I'm just a bit too tired to really I, get I it watch subtitles after a certain it's like i'm like an old person it's like mm. not after six <laughs> <laughs> it's like if i'm at home on my own i really really struggle i have to like okay crack open the diet coke hannah we're going in <laughs> um, little sticks to open your eyes <laughs> yeah like malcolm mcdowell in like clockwork orange like <laughs> but once you well, but once you started then it, it, it does hook you in and i've had to, I had to watch this in a few different settings but each time it's like Oh yeah, this is great. This is great. Um, 4.5, sorry, sorry, five in total. That gives us a notable score of 4.39375. Boom. That's good. Hefty. I feel like you brought the average down, Kobe, and I will never forgive you. Um, I didn't bring it down what, slightly with the recommendability. 3.5. That 4. Point, brought no, it down. No, overall Because we're all like, we're all in the fours. No one blow. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. I'll never come back on. It's okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> still got a high overall score. Over four You've is made amazing. a powerful enemy. <laughs> come on, Flinty. Um, I'll get my green destiny out on you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so Hannah and Layla, can you tell everyone who's listening where we can find you online and we'll say goodbye to the listeners? Yeah, you can, uh, you can find me on Twitter. Don't tweet Twitter. me though, unless it's nice. <laughs> at Hannah Flint. Uh, you can find me at Fades Black Podcast, The First Film Club, Interview Movies, uh, and yeah, uh, Empire, all the places, all the places that you read. <laughs> <laughs> Layla. 
Uh, I'm at all the places that Hannah doesn't write at. Which is <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, no, we do overlap a bit. We're both BBC Culture, aren't we? Um, but yeah. yeah, I'm Total Film, Little White Lies, Sight and Sound, AV Club. Uh, yeah, I guest host the Little White Lies uh, podcast every now and again, so I pop up there. And yeah, uh, Layla underscore Latif at Twitter, where I post everything that I write. But yes, like Hannah only tweet me if you're going to be nice because i am averse to discourse when it comes to <laughs> film twitter <laughs> life life's too short life, life is, too is short, way but... too short for film twitter discourse <laughs> thank you so much for that it's been an absolute pleasure to rewatch this thanks everyone bye okay. enjoyed this episode of flicks watcher podcast why not leave us a five-star review on itunes you can also follow us at flicks watcher pod on twitter and we're at flicks watcher on instagram thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty mighty tunes and ben from rockwood audio for his awesome editing skills if you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this get in touch with ben and that's rockwood r-o-k-k wood audio tell them flicks what you sent you you just heard a stripped media production